Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again. Our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. Uh, thanks for another fun week of all your comments and posts and emails and texts and phone calls. Uh, again, as I always say, it's a, the highlight of my week in terms of doing this. Uh, mental health uh, in the United States, at least I can speak from Massachusetts and probably from across the country, uh, is running rampant uh, this time of year. It, when it's getting dark at four o'clock, um, it it just affects all of our our moods, and and I think none of us are immune to uh, seasonal depression or anxiety, and it's, it's just a tough time of year with the holidays coming around. Um, so, uh, hope all of you guys are doing well, and it's great. Like again, when I get text messages that people have finally made their first appointment with a therapist, or they're getting in for a neuropsych eval, or they're coming to see me. Uh, it makes doing this every week uh, truly meaningful. So thank you. So Julie's with me today, and she's going to do a majority of the show because the focus of this is dialectical behavior therapy. Now, for those of you who follow the program, uh, I am not a fan or advocate of DBT, but it is a viable model that is used primarily in the treatment of borderline personality disorder. I was trained uh, heavily by the, 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 the gurus in the field of cognitive behavioral therapy, which really is devoid of emotion in terms of treatment. You're focusing on, on cognitions and you're focusing on behaviors and emotions are seen as just the byproduct of it. Whereas in dialectical behavioral therapy, it was initially developed by Marsha Linehan, and uh, she is a uh, psychologist with a uh, history of borderline personality, and the model was originally developed on an inpatient unit, and I think the utility of that is incredibly valid because what it did, it, it allowed patients who were having suicidal ideations or self-injurious behaviors or just in a really negative state of mind to have 24-hour access to a therapist. And I think that is a phenomenal model, whether independent of what approach that you, you, you uh, sub subscribe to as if you are a clinician, but um, having that access, I think, is I, I do agree with that aspect of the model. I don't personally, and again, this is my own personal and professional opinion, I am not an advocate of incorporating emotional dysregulation into the treatment of uh, whatever psychiatric conditions there are. And I have worked with patients we have successfully overcome and treated borderline personality strictly from a cognitive, behavioral, rationally motive approach. But I do think in all fairness, uh, Julie was trained uh, in, a, in a DBT model at Mass General and McLean. And I think it's important that that we do in the program give give you know respect and due diligence to alternative models independent of our own personal beliefs. So I'm gonna let Julie pop on. Um, we tried to do all the chopping prior to this, uh, although ironically a lot of you guys have contacted me that you, you missed the chopping. So again, like I said, we'll find some happy medium in between. So here's Julie. We're gonna fo we're gonna focus on DBT. Okay. The book of Psalms. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Hi, guys. Um, so, a lot of the time, um, we are, you know, kind of on opposite ends of uh, the, our belief system in terms of um, 
dialectical behavior therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy, I think it's very easy to have an understanding, probably a little bit easier to have an understanding of um, what cognitive behavioral therapy is since it's very mainstream. Um, most therapists know how to do this. Of course, it's usually many therapists have are eclectic in their practice. So they, you know, they use different uh, modalities of treatment. But typically in research has shown that uh, cognitive behavioral therapy is the best um, therapy in conjunction with medication uh, for a, you know, uh, for treatment and success in treatment and even remittance um, of uh, anxiety, depression, uh, panic disorder, all kinds of disorders like that. Um, I am going to just kind of give you a broad... So first I have to say, I was trained while I was working at McLean and um, Mass General. I wasn't working there. I I went to school there. Uh, And I was um, very involved on an inpatient unit and in in a partial day unit at McLean and also a um, on on the adult as well as the adolescent unit. Um, And I am not so if you are going to become trained in DBT, um, you have to go away for it's like a two week intensive uh treat intensive program i think it's like somewhere in colorado at least it used to be and it's extremely intensive training and then you there there's two rounds of it i believe i don't know if that's changed but it's two weeks then two weeks um again very intensive training for dbt i did not do that training i learned from my colleagues my mentors and you know the director and the, the 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 it was just part of the milieu and the treatment milieu and because I was working there I was able to really get a hold of a lot of the skill sets but I want to explain it to you a little bit not as a professional of DBT because I'm not I know this because I did groups um, I worked one on one with clients um, we did everything kind of revolved around DBT as well as CBT. So um, the the primary, so I want to just talk about how it breaks down because dialectical behavior therapy sounds like, you know, just like, what is that really? What does it really mean? It sounds very nebulous. Um, and it certainly was nebulous to me before I got in the field. So I want to just talk to you a little bit about the different that there's four different modules, okay? The first, and I'm only going to probably be able to talk about, I don't know how long this is going to take, but I just want to try to give you kind of a brief overview, and then we'll see what the feedback is. Um, because if people want me to delve in a little deeper, I can do that. Just to give you like the gist of what it's about, the basic structure, and what it entails. So the first... Um, the first module is distress tolerance. This has been, as Cor said, this has been, this is a, um, this is a model developed by Marsha Linehan. And, you know, she really did a wonderful job uh, doing this model, I believe, in my, in my opinion. 
um, because I've seen it really help people on inpatient units and partial day programs. I didn't. I don't necessarily use it in therapy because I'm not technically a therapist right now because I'm primarily a medication provider. But I do know that a lot of my colleagues will use DBT um, as well as CBT in their therapy practice. So the first module is distress tolerance. I'm going to break that down. Um, Distress tolerance is when, I mean, it kind of speaks for itself. So it's when you're in a crisis mode or something happens, real or imagined, or, and, you know, um, it's kind of like, um, you know, whatever the crisis is for that individual in that moment, um, the person has a very difficult uh, time dealing with the distress so they have very little distress tolerance. So they either explode, have a meltdown. And this doesn't really have to be something serious. Sometimes it's over really like, you know, walking on eggshells kind of thing, or just like someone looks at you the wrong way. You, you, you don't know. It, it, could be, it could be a whole slew of things on a continuum. It involves, you know, crisis survival strategies. Um, I will get into that a little bit acceptance strategies, which is revolved around radical acceptance, um, and coping skills for adolescents and adults. So that's the first module. Um, the second module is emotional regulation. So we talk a lot in practice about when someone, we feel someone's emotionally dysregulated. Emotional disre- dysregulation is very common in our field. And it, you know, sometimes people don't, we don't know why someone's dysregulated, but if let's say, for example, if it's a, a child has been, you know, experienced abuse and trauma uh, prior to being able to speak. So uh, we, we can, sometimes we'll, sometimes we'll see, like when I worked at, um, I did an internship at the Cambridge Hospital Children's unit, a pediatric unit. And it was the most, one of the most amazing experiences I had working with these doctors of Ross Green um, developed the model for that particular was the basket model. Um, He's, he's world famous, him and his partner, I forget his name, sorry. But um, that was on the Cambridge side, Mass General's not on, you know, kind of on across the river. Um, So there, there would be, there, there were a lot of kids there who had trauma histories and so they would act out in these ways were very explosive or they were bouncing off the walls or they were very difficult to soothe and comfort and, um, you know, all of these emotional states and behaviors didn't make a lot of sense. Um, and a lot of it would point to pre-verbal trauma. So meaning it was literally in the body. They couldn't verbalize it because they had experienced preverbal trauma, which is a whole other episode in and of itself. So that was one of the, that's like kind of the emotional dysregulation. We're trying to get in DBT, trying to get more emotional regulation. Um, we're, you know, that's really talking about kind of like the sea of emotions, you know, instead of just saying anger, you know, breaking that down and, oh, I'm miffed, I'm frustrated, I'm, you know, uh, peeved. I'm, you know, all these different variations of words to give a broader vocabulary and definition to 
all of these emotions that we do feel um, and trying to regulate the intensity of that emotion so that it's more manageable for the person involved who is suffering. And, um, and, and I'll say at the end, this is sort of like, what are good emotions? Um, what are negative emotions? Um, taking steps to increase positive emotions, um, trying to let go of acting opposite to the current emotion, which is a very interesting concept, which really works. Um, most of the time. So that's the emotional regulation piece. So that's the second module. Pardon me. The third module is interpersonal effectiveness. Um, so this is when, this is helping a person accomplish their goals in a relationship with someone, um, in relationship to something that they want. How do they get what they want? How do they get their needs met? in a way that is not emotionally dysregulated or loaded with distressed intolerance, meaning temper, you know, disposition, language, um, people, this is really based on helping people with borderline personality disorder get through a crisis and also make life changing practices and behaviors and mindsets um, to change their life completely and how they interact with the world, other people, so that they can function better, you know, that they can go to school, they can have a happy home, happy home life or an improved home life, depending on what their home life is like, um, better friendships, uh, better romantic relationships, um, more success at work, tolerating being able to work, um, that all these, you know, if you look at all the domains of life, um, someone with, in, you know, full-blown borderline personality disorder. I'm not just speaking on a continuum here. I'm speaking kind of, you know, from if it's one to 10, we're doing 10 down to maybe four, where someone really needs help developing these skill sets. The last module is mindfulness, and it talks about states of mind, the rational mind, irrational mind, the Venn diagram, Crossing the two equals wise mind. So how to get someone who is in an irrational state of mind to tap into their rational mind and then equating it to wise mind. Um, I can talk more about that. But there are skills involved in this. So here's the, here's the good news. The good news is it's so fixable. Um, if someone really wants to to feel better, get better, um, function better, um, really, you know, maximize and make their whole entire life better, they can. Um, these skills really work. And, you know, it's really not about whether CORE likes DBT or not, or whether I do or not. It really is. And we've had people call us about this, you know, want to know more information about these, these two practices uh, and treatment modalities. You know, people are very appreciative of it, um, especially, you know, when they're like, I don't even know what DBT means. What, it is, what does it mean? So it kind of takes like a very dichotomous mindset, which is very often in borderline, um, you know, black or white. There's no gray, you know, um, it, the, the dichotomy of it. It gives 
it gives people more language and more skills and um, helps people to interact with people better. And I'm, I, I know I'm sounding redundant right now. The other really important piece to remember about this is if you need this and you are not able to cope and you think that this might help you, it is not your fault that you're this way in the world. You became this way for a reason. Something happened along the way, whether it's the parenting, usually it's something around parenting or caregiver, um, starting very young in life. Um, I, you know, Cor can speak more about that from a diagnostic perspective, but it's language that people and skills that people never learned. They weren't taught it. They didn't see the example of it in their home. Um, you know, interpersonal, uh, uh, meaning, um, I'm hungry. No, you're not. I'm sad. Oh God. You know, like just all these things that there were, that people have had experiences of not being validated in their emotional state and therefore over time developing these ways to survive in the world. And that's really what it is. So it's not your fault. And it's just language. It's just skill. It's like learning anything, really. I mean, I went to school to become a provider, you know, a med provider. I was learning tons of new skills and it wasn't always easy, you know. So it, there, there was a lot of emotion attached to it too, because it was very, very difficult. It was a very um, accelerated program. And I had to learn things uh, three times as fast as everybody else, you know, being in that program. And just just that just example, um, there's there's so many scenarios that it would be personal to yourself too. you know, raising children, um, you know, being in a partnership. There is a really good book out called uh, what is it called? Siren Sirene's Dance, S-A-R-E-N-S Dance. It is a classic book in the field about borderline personality disorder uh, the, the, I know personally the man who wrote it, but he penned his name and changed his name. Um, but the story is a very real story about a psychiatrist who actually fell in love with a patient who had full blown borderline personality disorder. And it takes you through what it's like to be in a relationship with someone with borderline personality disorder. And I think it's probably not a bad read for someone who thinks they do have borderline personality disorder because, you know, buyer beware, but it could be educational about what it's actually like for someone else to be involved with someone who has borderline personality disorder. Now, you know, and ethically, it wasn't okay what happened, but um, it really isn't, I think, is a really interesting read. Um, so having said that, I'm just going to kind of poke around um, here to kind of just start to give you just a little bit of a picture um, of uh, distress tolerance. So distress tolerance is all about the skill set. So the skill set, I, I do know about the skill set. Again, not formally trained in DBT, but having practiced this with clients over the years. Um, crisis survival strategies. So for distress tolerance skills, 
you're going to try your hardest to learn how to distract yourself in a moment when you're feeling very distressed. So how do you do that? Um, trying to self-soothe. A lot of this is about, at, at the core, is about not being soothed when you're very young and not learning how to self-soothe. If you think about the kid crying in the crib and being ignored, um, I know like temper tantrums, those are a little bit different than the terrible twos and threes, but, but I'm just saying, if, if, you, if, if you can't learn to self-soothe, that's going to affect you in your life. And these are skills, and I will get into delve into it deeper if people want it. So I'm going to wait and see how the crowd responds to this. Um, so it's distracting yourself in the middle of a crisis, um, self-soothing. What can you do to self-soothe? Improving the moment. So trying to improve on the moment that you're currently experiencing, thinking of pros and cons. Um, the acceptance skills are involved in this as well, and that would be radical acceptance. It is what it is. Half the, I, I think 50% of people hate that expression, but sometimes it is what it is. So if it is what it is, how do I go from, where do I go from here? If, if this is what I'm dealing with, how do I brush my knees off and deal with this? How do I move forward? And how do I stay in a good mental state? Um, so choosing to se- like choosing to separate reality as it is. Another aspect of this is willingness versus willfulness. So willingness is being open and willing to change. A lot of times in our in our careers, I notice that you 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 can tell when somebody's willingly wanting to get better, willingly willingly involved and immersed in treatment versus someone who's more oppositional, very guarded for probably very good reasons, but someone who just kind of shows up, but there's not really doing any work, um, more willfully keeping, you know, a therapist or a provider at bay, um, willfully not engaging in treatment. And that's just one example, but anybody out there knows the difference between willingness is an open, open, forward, active, um, action will willfulness can willful being willful can be great, but also if it's willful in the bad way, you know, it's kind of like being your own worst enemy. Um, so this is, so when they, they break these, then they break it down to a mnemonic device and that, so for this would be wise mind, Accepts. So accepts. First is distract with the wise mind accepts. And that's A-C-C-E-P-T-S. Activities, contributing, comparisons, emotions, pushing away, thoughts, sensations. Self-soothing using the five senses. Remember, I talked about this a few times on the podcast. This is genius because this is something you can do at home. And this is something you have. And it's so personal to you. Taking 
the the five senses it will also the sixth sense including movement meaning yoga um and or any kind of physical activity um so you would like with activities you know engage in exercise hobbies cleaning you know uh going to events call or visit a friend play computer games go walk uh, go be in nature uh play sports go out and have dinner with somebody coffee tea go fishing do gardening whatever you get the gist of that now these this is the wise mind accepts so that's activities that's a c contributing I've talked about this too. How do you increase serotonin levels? You can witness someone being kind to somebody else. You can practice an act of kindness or when someone's kind to you. Um, but this is more of a willful, um, you know, and a willing um, uh, step to go work in a soup kitchen, you know, go to a hospital and volunteer and hold infants you know, there, there are so many things you can do. Go to a, a nursing home and, and you know, talk to people. Or, or there's so many wonderful things you can do to contribute and give back. And that is something that makes a human being feel better. Self-esteem, including depression. Um, so and the next would be comparisons. So compare yourself to someone else. Someone's always got it worse. So if you draw comparisons, I've said this before, when people sometimes go inpatient um, and they think they're really in bad shape, and then they go inpatient or they go to a partial day program where they're around other people, sometimes that's a rude awakening enough to say, wow, okay, I could have it so much worse. I, I'm, I'm going to be all right. You know, that, that kind of thing. Like, I'm, I need help, but I'm better off. I'm stronger than I thought. I'm not, it's not as bad as I thought because someone always has it worse. Um, the opposite emotions. This is, this is great. Okay. This is when like you really, let's for example, you're really, really sad. What do we do growing up when, when I was ever really, really sad, you listen to sad songs, you break up with somebody, you're sad, you listen to breakup songs. No. Or you're really, really angry. I remember all this awful music. I don't even name the bands, but like some of these bands out there, um, the n angry music, angry, 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 you know, just awful. The, you can hear the rage and the anger in this music. If you're angry, don't listen to that music. It only reinforces the feeling that you already have, and it only intensifies it, just like with sad music when you're feeling sad. But that's what naturally sometimes we're drawn to it, so we kind of have to do the opposite. So... The same goes for, um, let's see, uh, let's see, uh, emotional movies, listen to emotional music, but make sure the event creates a different emotion. So let's say you're in a really bad mood. Watch a funny movie. Um, let's say you're really, really, uh, I don't know, um, aggravated um, or something. Listen to something soothing. Um, you know, you have the world's at your fingertips, especially with, you know, Instagram and all of the social media, you can certainly see people out there suffering and relating. There are a lot of people out there that are doing really good work, putting themselves out there in very vulnerable ways, sharing how they struggle with mental health. And that's something you could, you know, if it's a safe, safe site, if it's a safe 
person doing it. Um, I've mentioned a few on the podcast, honestly. Uh, Sad Guru, I, I'm like obsessed with him right now. He is just, I, I listen to him every day. Um, something always affects me in a profound way. Um, I just, I just really just check him out on Instagram, please. He's got like 9 million followers guys really doing so much, so much for humanity and the earth. It's, it's incredible. I wish he was on the news constantly. Uh, Dr. Nicola Perra, um, she's another one out there doing amazing work, especially around complex trauma, PTSD. Um, she does, she's just really a very unique person who's reaching millions of people. Um, I will mention more people that I think are really excellent. Um, but I'm going to keep moving on with this. Um, so pushing away would be the next phase of the first module of distress tolerance. And that would be push the situation away by leaving it for a while. Try to leave the situation mentally. And that's, that is, um, you know, uh, oh, who is the one? Mel Robbins. Is it Mel Robbins? Five minute, five, no, five second rule. She's really good. I hope I'm, I'm, I hope that that is her correct last name. I will, I will verify it and I will correct it if it's not. Mel Robbins. She's brilliant. She's written books out there, but one is called the five second rule, which is with your thoughts and your responses to people, take five seconds before you respond. Just stop and Pause, take five seconds before you respond. Okay, so sensations. Sensations in the five senses. This is what I will always coming back to because these are things that you can do even when you're not in therapy or when you're also in therapy, you can make yourself stronger. So you figure out, let's see, you can hold ice in your hand. You can, you know, squeeze a rubber ball, uh, stand under a very uh, cold shower People are really bringing this back, you know, these ice baths. I I haven't done it personally, and I don't enjoy a cold shower. But sometimes running cold, freezing cold water, um, you know, even putting a wet towel on your neck. I just recently told a few people to take uh, washcloths, little face cloths, run them underwater, crunch them all up, spray them with lavender, uh, put them in little baggies, put them in the freezer. Anytime you're having a hard time, you take that cloth out, and when it's frozen, you pull it apart. You pull it apart. You pull it apart as it melts away. The lavender is soothing if you're not allergic. Um, it's very soothing. Um, it literally calms anxiety. It, 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 I'm sure everyone out here knows that and has heard that about lavender. Um, and then you can put it on your face or your neck. It's still cold. So that's like your that's touch, that's smell. So, and, but think about it. Sometimes people like weighted blankets. Sometimes people don't want to be touched at all. So they would rather eat their favorite food or have some soup, um, make some soup, you know, distract yourself by doing something, um, walking in the woods. Nature is number one. And I know Cora mentioned something about being near the water is a bad thing. I disagree a hundred percent. I think being by the water in the ocean, I mean, listen, we're, we're, we're made up of water. How much? 80% water? 70% water? What? We just can't go near the water? Um, I find the water very soothing. Um, again, I am also like, you know, um, 
Sometimes people will just like put a rubber band around their wrist and snap it. Again, that's like to jerk. So the point is you want to bring yourself out of a crisis state into the here and now, because right here, right now, you're okay. Right here, right now, I'm okay. I think that I am not okay. I feel like I'm not okay, but I'm actually okay. So these are ways to ground yourself. Uh, Listen to your favorite music that's soothing. I know classical music is supposed to be very soothing for the central nervous system. Um, That's research-based. Something, you know, just listening to a friend's voice that's comforting, but sometimes people aren't available to us um, when we're having a crisis. Um, Yoga positions are amazing. Child's pose is very comforting. It's very soothing. All of the yoga is very soothing for the central nervous system. Um, That's really what you want to do because the memories, uh, the emotions and thoughts trigger memories and the memories are from our past. But our central nervous system responds to those memories like it's still happening. It doesn't have to be full-blown PTSD. But that's why I want you to look at the holistic psychologist, um, the Dr. Nicole LaPera. She does a lot of work around actual techniques, and you can see it right on her Instagram page. Um, she even has a course, uh, which I, I started. Um, I have to get back into it. Um, the Inner Healer Circle. It, it's, a, it's amazing. Um, the people she has educating and, and speaking. And it's just, it's, I think it's a wonderful thing to check out. Um, and so that's basically the distress tolerance module. That's the first of four. I'm not going to go, I'll be here all night. So next week I'll do another a module of DBT. And I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your feedback. Um, God bless you all. We send you love and light. And, um, at least you didn't, at least you didn't have to listen to me cry this time. (laughs) I'm trying to, I'm trying to get back on track with like, you know, leveling it out and kind of getting more, you know, information to you out there. So, um, thank you. And I will talk to you next week. All right. Well, thank you, Julie. Um, Again, we, Julie and I differ in our opinions, and I think that's then uh, in our theoretical perspectives. I think it's it's healthy to have that dialogue. That is how the fields have grown, is because people disagree. Um, I think Julie did a great job of explaining DBT. Again, the emotional aspect of it is really irrelevant in cognitive behavioral therapy. We, you, we know we're in rationally motive therapy, where we're not asking you, telling you to run away or distract yourself from your emotions, but to confront them head on and not just your emotions, but to confront your cognitions and then confront your behaviors and the emotions are the byproduct of it. But I think it's, it's definitely, um, it's a, it's a valid model. It's a viable model. Um, that's why I thought, you know, Julie and I were kind of talking about topics that we would do the next couple sessions on breaking down DBT. Uh, and I could always go back to CBT, but just because that's my perspective doesn't mean it's, you know, how the world should operate. Um, you know, I think the other perspective is if a patient is seeing a therapist and they are getting better, 
and they are improving. Call it whatever you whatever you want. It's all good. Whatever you want, if you're getting better. Um, but again, they're very different models, and you know, DBT is more about accepting who you are. CBT is more about changing who you are. Um, so we will continue on this journey. Um, I know we got well, we got sidetracked with some existential self, but I do think it is important to kind of get into con- uh, topics like the sense of self and and wounded or wise and 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 some things that that help probe cognition. And I, I appreciate all the feedback. Uh, still trying to figure out Instagram. I will post some of the things that we talked about last week. Some of the quotes uh, because going through all of our old uh, education and training stuff has been kind of kind of fun. Uh, so we will continue to do the best we can, and we appreciate your feedback. And um, to get a hold of me, uh, you can email me directly through Psychology Today. You can email me directly at psychologyunpluggedoutlook.com. You could follow our Instagram account at psychology underscore unplugged underscore. Again, on Instagram. And um, I haven't quite figured out the direct messaging yet, so the best way to get oh, – here, here we go – Best way to get a hold of me is uh, through email or by you can contact me directly at 617-750-9411, East Coast Standard Time. Until next week, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, ask lots of questions, uh, feel, free to free, uh, feel free to reach out, and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys.